In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Karen Taxton about how to write better copy for your product pages. This is the Business of E-Commerce, episode 83. Today's episode is sponsored by Drip. Drip is the world's first e-commerce CRM and a tool that I personally use for email marketing and automation. Now, if you're ever in an e-commerce store, you need to give Drip a try, and here's why. Drip offers one-click integrations for both Shopify and Magento. There's robust segmentation, personalization, and revenue dashboards to give you an overview of how your automation emails are performing. One of my favorite features of Drip is the Visual Workflow Builder. It gives you a super easy way to build out your automation world visually and see the entire process. It lets you get started quickly, but also build very complex automation roles. It's powerful, but also easy to learn, unlike a lot of email tools that offer the same type of automation. To get a demo of Drip today, you can go head over to drip.com slash BOE. That's drip.com slash BOE. Now onto the show. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the show that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow the e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Plesky, and I'm here today with Karen Taxton. Karen is the president of Marketing Words, a copywriting agency that delivers training to help entrepreneurs communicate, convince, and convert leads into loyal customers. I asked Karen on the show today to talk about how you can use copywriting to improve your product pages. So, hey, Karen, how are you doing today? Great. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for coming on the show. Oh, I appreciate the invitation. Yeah. If you're watching the video, Karen is in a log home, which I think is super cool. So... Some people only watch the, some people only have the audio, but if you're watching the video, you should check that out. So <laughs> cool. So want to kind of chat about copywriting and product pages. I feel like this is an often overlooked subject and one of those things that can have a very big, uh, long-term benefit. I agree. Yeah. So how do first someone wants to get started? Um, they have some product pages right now. They're just you know, they kind of did whatever for the copy. I think that's usually people kind of take that first crack at it. Um, let's say they drop shipping. Usually they pull those, you know, terrible descriptions from the manufacturers and put them on there. Yeah, the canned copy. The canned copy that, you know, yep. it's, a, it's a red widget. And you're like, eh, okay, it's, you know, unless you're really looking for a red widget, it's not really convincing. Um, <laughs> There's a reason they give that to you for free. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's a good way of saying that. That's a reason why it's free. Um, or even some folks that, you know, are doing private label or something like that. They write their own copy, but it's almost like, um, you know, you know, you need it to fill in the, the blank text hole. So you kind of write whatever you need to get it there. And you're like, I know it's whatever, 500 words. You get them in there and you're like, cool, save. Let's not look at that, that ever again. But that's probably not the right thing to do. I'm guessing. No. <laughs> no, not in my opinion anyway. So what is your opinion on the right thing to do there? I would skip the canned copy. I mean, if that's the only thing that's available to you, you don't have the means to outsource it. You have not yet trained yourself to write copy for your products that are on your site. Then that's better than leaving all of that space blank. However, because everybody from that particular manufacturer is using the same canned copy, it's going to make it even more difficult for you to rank. And as people are shopping and clicking from site to site to site, which they will do, they're looking for you know free shipping here or a better price there and things of that nature, they're reading the exact same description over and over again. If 
there isn't a way to determine quickly which site they should purchase from. They almost always default to the site that has the lowest price, including shipping. So if there's a site that's a couple of dollars higher than your listed price, but they have free shipping and yours is charging shipping, you know, it's a balance there. You can use bits and pieces of the canned copy if you know what to look for and what to pick out and, and things of that nature, and then add some creativeness to it, add something unique about your particular site. But it all comes down to to balance. It has to be copy that's written for the shopper and also copy that's going to entertain Google, keep it around, make it want to rank those pages. If you have the exact same copy that every other site that's selling those products have, you, you kind of messed yourself over there a little bit, I think. Um, so it's it's all about balance, finding something unique for the shopper, something unique that your site can offer that you can include in the copy, and then also copy that's going to be original and that ranks well with Google. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those things when you're looking through different sites, there's, you just know, right? They all have the can copy. And mm -hmm. at that point, if there if there is one that doesn't, you might, it, it makes them look so much more legitimate. Um, if you select maybe five sites that just have that canned copy, that canned photo, you think, eh, it's pretty much like, you kind of know what's happening. No, nothing nothing stands out, right? But if you have one that really goes in and describes, you know, in detail, has like specs, si like actual sizes, weights, just deep information, that one, it just becomes a different like tear. And all of a sudden it becomes so much more believable that, hey, you actually know what this product is and you're not just you know, throwing up a bunch of stuff on the internet. Um, so it helps to legitimize the site in a way, right? It does. And a lot, I hear a lot of, of sellers that will say, well, I go to Bed Bath & Beyond or I go to Target or something like that. And I see that they're using canned copy. Yes, but they don't have to depend on the power and the, uh, the boost that original copy brings them because they have devoted shoppers, they're huge sites, they have a huge list they can mail to and drive traffic to a site any given time. They're sending out mass mailings in newspapers every Sunday about the sales that they're having, and they're driving traffic in a lot of other ways that a brand new e-commerce site or even a small established site might not be doing. So the dependency on what copy can bring is going to be even more important for medium to smaller sites than it would be for great big giant e-tailers. Okay, that, yeah, I feel like a lot of people, they look at the larger retailers and say, well, you know, they're doing it this way, so so can I. But that's a great point. Right, right? yeah, you're not doing everything they're doing. Yeah. So you're, take, you're, you're cherry picking one little thing and you're not doing the rest. And then when it doesn't work, everybody is dumbfounded. Um, but if you're going to do one of the things that they do in order to match them, you would have to do everything else they're doing too. That's a really good way of looking at it, right? Because so if you want to be targeted, you have to actually, you know, build like hundreds of stores across the country and, you know, have like large physical retail. You have to do lots right. of things, right? And yeah. then you can cut the corners in the other places. Yeah, I like that way yeah. of looking at it, actually. Because I feel like so many people do that where they just point and go, well, they do it. And Right. Yeah. yeah. 
and you're not seeing the whole picture. Yep. Um, it's, it's the same way with people that are doing private label on Amazon or something like that. And the only thing that they're doing is operating in the Amazon marketplace with getting positioning on Amazon search engine running PPC Edge through Amazon sponsored ad program. And they're wondering why the competition is beating them because the competition is marketing outside of Amazon and pushing traffic that way. So it's pretty much the same thing. You you have to have that overall marketing plan in place. Got it. So I feel like there's two different paths we could kind of go down here. And maybe it's useful <laughs> to do both. Well, two different when I see copy, right? So there's the let's use private label as an example, or just folks that have, you know, a very small number of SKUs. Maybe they have mm -hmm. less mm -hmm. than ten, right? And they're private label, whatever they do, but they basically are producing these products, importing them. They have like small number of SKUs. So there's writing copy for that use case of we're going to do 10, we're going to do it really well. Then there's the other use case of saying, hey, we're going to distributors, maybe we're drop shipping. Um, easy example, like automotive parts, where they might quite literally have hundreds of thousands of SKUs. And in that case, copywriting is a whole different conversation, I'm assuming, because they have to do you know, the same thing someone does with 10 products, but they have to do it at a whole different scale. So it's not a conversation of saying, hey, you should go on as the founder and just write you know, 500,000 product pages. Like you'll never, you'll just never get done ever. It'll take you. No, they, they have an entire team of writers at that point that, yeah. that do the copy for them. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun to sit there and write about 2,700 different silver bangle bracelets. And they're all just this much different. And you have to make each of the descriptions unique. Yep. <laughs> so I guess what, which paths do we start down? The one where you have the low number of SKUs and very custom um, crafted copy, or should, you know, is it better to start with high volume SKUs and let's just do this in, um, at scale? Well, I think high volume sellers probably already have a good bit of help that they need and they have the resources in place or they wouldn't have a high volume of SKUs. So why don't we focus on the smaller people who probably need a little bit more help? I, I, so I, I come across a lot of sites, especially with like dropshippers, for example, where they go to a distributor yeah. and they just, that, that description, the distributor might quite literally have 200,000 products and they just go to Shopify, do a bulk import and they have 200,000 products in the store. So I do see a lot of folks who have to do the same process, but in this like automated fashion. So maybe it helps to even talk about the low skew version. And then how to automate and kind of mechanize that, right? Of saying it works yep. for 10 SKUs. Now you just need to ramp up whatever that process is. Right. And drop shipping is semi an entirely different type of, of well, it is an entirely different type of business structure. It's still e-com, but drop shippers don't face a lot of the same issues that uh, I might get in trouble for this, but full blown e-commerce sites that actually have inventory and whatnot, it's there's there are differences there not so much in how you write the copy but still i'm going down a rabbit trail <laughs> want to come with me <laughs> yeah <laughs> let's we'll put the we'll, we'll stop the rabbit trail for now because we could we could go that one for a while um but okay so let's say you have a handful of products yep. and you're looking at a copy and saying what can we do better um mm -hmm. where would you start what would you do first um i would get personal i would make the copy more enticing even if you start with the canned copy from the distributor or the manufacturer, just to give you some idea, some starting point, 
you can go in and incorporate lifestyle uses into the copy. You can incorporate things that you know about the shoppers on your site. Bottom line, anything that has anything to do with copywriting should begin with a complete and thorough knowledge of your target audience. And it doesn't have to be at this point with smaller sellers so specific that it would be for every single solitary product, but at the very least, have a good knowledge of the people who are visiting your site, the ones that have signed up to get your sale notices via email and things of that nature. What are they looking for from you? But you can incorporate things like that um, into the copy. If you get information via product reviews that people have left on your site, go in and mine those and look for you know, two words, three word phrases that you might be able to incorporate into the copy. That's not cheating. I wouldn't put the entire review into the copy, but you are legally allowed to, you know, mine a couple of words here and there, especially if you're seeing reviews where people are repeating this over and over again. You know, I love the fact that blah, blah, blah. Oh, awesome. Three people said that same thing. So you pull that out and you work it into the copy. But if you make the copy as personal as possible, then it's easier for people to relate to it. And the tone of your copy changes. So maybe uh, as an example, uh, I was at a men's suit website shopping for one for somebody as a gift, and they didn't really wear a suit all that often. So I wasn't looking for one that was extremely high priced. Uh, and I would visit visited a couple of sites and they were all talking about the fabric and the style and the fit and the cut and all this other stuff like that. Now, if some of those had maybe gone in the direction of, uh, I'm thinking off the top of my head, here's all the information about the suit, the quality, the style, the cut, blah, blah, blah. But this entry level $99 suit is better made than your boss's $2,500 power suit. And it'll turn just as many heads as you walk down the hallway. So if you need a suit that helps you look as if you've already made it to the corner office, this is how you dress for the position you want to have while on a budget or something along those lines. Get into the head of the people who would be buying this product. The, you know, if, if your site is one that's selling men's clothing and suits is something that are in there, you could do that with all the different price ranges. You know, what are the people that are going to buy a $99 starter suit thinking? What are they looking for? Okay, mid-level suit. Where are they going to wear it? You know, who is this for? In the $99 suit, you could have another segment for people who buy one suit every five years because they need it to wear to weddings and funerals and things like that. And then the rest of the time, you know, they're not required to wear a suit on a job. That's a big portion of people that will buy low, low dollar suits as well. So when you can get personal with the copy and you have just a little bit of information that connects to your target segments, you can weave that in with some of that canned copy that you got from the manufacturer, unless you are the manufacturer. Uh, and it just makes your, your copy for that product and the whole site seem more homey, more connecting to the people that are shopping with you and like you know them better because you do. Yeah, like 
like that thought of really coming through and like understanding not just not just who the buyer is, but like why mm -hmm. are they buying this product? And the hundred dollar suit is a great yeah. example, right? Because you know, this people that buy a hundred dollar suit have things in common. It's not just they want a cheap suit. It's like you said, they might use it once every two years. So they're not gonna spend but people buy a two thousand dollar suit have a very different use case for that suit. They're gonna be most likely, let's say, you know, attorneys, accountants, they wear, they have to wear it to work every day. So they're going to be wearing this each week, possibly, um, for years. So you want, at that point, you want to speak to, hey, you can wear this every day. You can dry clean it, you know, each week. It'll hold up to, you know, thousands of dry cleanings. And it's a, you know, but the person with the $100 suit isn't going to dry clean it 500 times. Like, that's just not going to happen. Right. Um, you're going to wear it four times, probably grow out of it. It just won't fit right. And then you'll throw it away and buy a new one for the next wedding. Yeah. And I mean, from a woman's point of view, I'm not working in a power office. I don't wear suits to work. I don't even own a lady suit anymore. I have some uh, blouses and skirts and dresses and things like that, that I wear to church on Sundays and for special occasions, weddings and, and whatnot. Um, but I don't even own a suit anymore. So if I had to have a suit for a particular occasion, that's what I would be looking for. I wouldn't want to spend $2,500, but I wouldn't want to show up wherever it was looking like I was wearing a cheap suit. Yep. So, you know, getting into that mindset, understanding why are they buying a $99 suit? What's the purpose? And then you can weave that in. And like I said, with the mid-level suits, with the high dollar suits, you've made it, you need to look like you've made it, you know, show the world what you've got, blah, blah, blah. So all of that can be incorporated. I don't know if this would be the best question, but I am curious because this mm -hmm. just happened the other day. Um, I was browsing around. I was shopping for like a replacement part for my dishwasher, right? What do you do for, so suits is one example where it's kind of, you kind of know the person, but how about when you're talking like things that are boring by nature, like it was a replacement O-ring, really kind of the most boring thing you probably literally buy. Like no one is excited about this. Is there some way of actually even writing a copy for that? Or literally it was just like, O-ring was a description. Is But like, is there something you could do there with boring, very simple little things like that? Well, those commodity types of things like replacement parts for cars, air filters and things of that nature. Well, air filters would be a little bit different. Um, you could talk about the quality of the O-ring and all the specs, but... I wouldn't go overboard with something like that because people aren't looking to be convinced. They're looking to know that it will work. If there's a difference in one type of O-ring and another type of O-ring, you know, maybe there's the cheap ones that are going to wear out again in three months, but these are made of more resilient rubber or whatever the particular O-ring was made of. You could mention things like that. But most of the time, the shopper is looking to say, okay, here's my make and my model, and here's the thing that wore out, and is it going to fit? So short, sweet, and to the point. If you wanted to differentiate yourself, it would be with quality if whatever the part was came in different colors that maybe other people didn't have or things of that nature. You could include something like that as well if you had uh, part warranties, maybe not on a 10 cent O-ring, but, uh, you know, things of, of that nature, you could put that in as well if it was appropriate. With air filters and whatnot, those are made 
those, you know, the, the technology behind manufacturing air filters has gotten pretty extreme. So now everybody is talking about, you know, this allows the air to go through this way or that way, and it cuts down on, you know, these types of blockages and allows your carburetor or whatever. <laughs> you can tell I'm not a mechanic. My husband would know the answers to these questions. Um, but anyway, how it works and why it's better and the way it's made, um, so things along those lines, oil filters, water filters for your ice maker and your refrigerator, those can get pretty high tech and have a lot of features and benefits. But some things like 10 cent O-rings are just O-rings. Yeah. And that probably goes back to knowing your audience, right? Because you, it does. you know your audience, you know how they're going to, and it's not just who they are, but how they're going to use this thing, right? You know that no one's going to their car and going, oh, my car's working pretty well. Let's pop out a few O-rings and you know, just replace them and see what happens. Like no one does yeah. that, but the air filter in the air filters, that's actually a great example because the cheap one, whatever, I don't know what a cheap one costs, but let's say the $10 one, that's something, you know, you're going in there and you just, you know, it's clogs. So you have to run the auto parts store, buy the, you buy the discount one and pop it in and go. But then there's also ones that are like 10 extra price. And those are the ones that people are buying because they have one that works perfectly well, but they want something better. So, Right. So if you're going to invest in copywriting, you kind of have to start, you know, focusing on which products get the most bang for your buck sort of thing. Um, and that expensive, it's not just because it's expensive, but it's because people are looking at that product in this like desirable way versus like the cheap one or the O-ring. They're just looking because they need it. So it's almost like know who they are and how they're going to use this product. And that also helps you pick where to invest. Where to, where to invest the most time, right? In copyright. Yeah. And there are people, there are customers out there that won't read anything or will read very little of the copy. They go immediately to the one that has the highest price because in their mind, price equals quality and they want the best of everything. So if there's a good, better, best, if they're, you know, the comparison is on the page and you've got customers also looked at blah, 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 and they're at the $10 page and they see the $12 and the 50 15 and the 25 and the $40 air filter, they will immediately click for the $40 air filter because it has to be better. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I probably fall victim to that myself. I know I walk in, I was buying air filter the day from my house and there's like five levels and I said, well, number five seems, that's too extreme. Let's go with number four. That seems about what, you know, I'm not a number five kind of guy. I'm a number four guy. So that's what I bought. And it was one of those things I didn't want to read the descriptions. I quite literally picked because there were five levels. And number five just seemed too extreme for me. So let's just go with four. I don't, I don't even know what it is. I don't know why. <laughs> but yeah. So I, I, I'm that person, um, which I think if you're short on time, you kind of just use, you know, certain other indicators like that as like analogous to quality, uh, just, and price is one of the easiest. So. Well, and we won't go down this rabbit trail either, but I will tell you very quickly that pricing strategies just they will blow your mind. And there's a way to, that is proven to set the pricing up like that. And if you do good, better, best, probably 80% of your people are going to do the one in the middle because they don't want to seem cheap, but they don't want to pay the highest price out there. So if you have four, the two in the middle are going to get the most and it, you know, it, it weeds out the more you go. Oh, sorry. I'm running into my microphone over here. Um, but yeah, if you've got three prices in there, the one in the middle is going to get the most sales. So there's ways to position that 
to get people to buy the one that you want them to buy. So it's pricing strategies are really cool. What do you think of using stuff like humor and copywriting? Because I feel like that's something that I see some folks do extremely well, but if you do it poorly, it can go like terribly wrong. It's a big risk in my opinion. And it would very much depend on the brand, uh, the entire brand that was there. If I had a, a general e-com site, you know, a Walmart, for example, a Walgreens, something that sold every kind of different thing, you know, under the sun and it wasn't, you know, all men's clothing or all auto parts or what have you. I don't think I would try to do it if the overall brand doesn't have uh, an air of humor to it. I don't think I would do it. It's just too too risky, in my opinion, that it would come off off color or be misunderstood, and then you end up with a lot of people clicking away. Got it. Yeah, I've kind of always felt that. It's one of those things I want to be funny, but it seems very risky. Yeah. So, you know, let's, no. let's just do the good, better, best, because that seems a little more straight, <laughs> uh, you know, conservative, right? So keeps you up at night. I want to be funny, but am I really funny? Yeah. It's very hard to be funny on the internet too. And it's very, it's even more <laughs> difficult to be funny over text. I feel like that's yeah. like, if you've, if you have that skill, it's like, you know, 10 out of 10, right? That you can be funny in text, like on the internet, you've done it. So without little emojis everywhere to yeah, help you. <laughs> exactly. So let's say you, you know, you're the person out there, the retailer that has a thousand products, you're not going to do it on your own. You want to kind of hire someone and say, Hey, here's the plan, here's the strategy. Let's go do it. What would you, what kind of guidelines would you put in place to give that person some marching orders? And how would you like, how would you even set that up? So, you know, the end result would be what you want, or is it something you kind of have to really be like, do you need some real like intimate knowledge of the business and the customer, or is it something you can pass it on to someone else and say, here's some guidelines, go make it happen. Whoever you, you choose to write your e-com copy, if it was my store, my brand, and I was looking for a copywriter, I would want them to have an in-depth knowledge of the brand itself and the products that are being created. So if you have a line of flip-flops that you sell, uh, you know, I would want the writer to not be as well-versed about the company as I am as the owner or the president, but a close second, because that's going to help them write better. And most of the time, there's already a tone or a voice that goes along with the brand strategy. If you have done uh, a brand profile, pass that on to the writer, because that if it doesn't include these things, it should include the brand story, a list of uh, words and phrases that would be common to your brand, a list of words and phrases that you don't want to use as a brand, how you want to be viewed. You know, all these types of things are going to help the copywriter do his or her job. I would absolutely make sure that whoever you get has e-commerce experience because there are special considerations depending on the content management system that you're using how things connect, you know, for example, the whatever the page title is in when you're setting up the page behind the scenes will appear 
at the top of the page. So if a copywriter gives you a headline and they're expecting it to be at the top of the page, but you have, you know, women's natural rubber flip-flops as the name of the page, you know, just little little tweaks like that that a lot of copywriters that don't have e-commerce experience wouldn't understand or know to ask that can kick you and make you go back and have to redo a lot of things later. Um, also, a writing shorter copy is a lot more complicated than writing longer copy. And on the majority of e-commerce websites, the copy is a good bit shorter. Some of them have really long sales pages, but that's that's not the commonality. So I would be sure that they're capable of making an emotional connection and getting the points, the features, the benefits of the product across in, you know, 70, 60, 70, 100 words, depending on how much space you have uh, on the e-commerce site. But it's it's a matter of them being capable of matching your tone so that each page doesn't sound different. That's something else to ask. How many writers are going to be working on this site? Am I going to have the same writer for all the descriptions? If you have multiple writers, you know, from whoever it is that you're using, are they going to sound the same? Because you don't want somebody going to an umbrella page for your, your garden site and it's sounding one way and then they're going over to the, you know, the page for the garden rubber shoes and whatnot and they're using humor on that page but none of the other pages were using humor so it needs to flow the whole site needs to have cohesiveness how do you normalize that right because let's say let's just say this is a big site and you're gonna need to do this over the course of weeks and months right this isn't <laughs> you know if it's five products you could have one project one person obviously writes the whole thing you're done it's launch it's over but let's just say this is a longer term project where you know, you might need to go through a couple of people just out of people going to transition or and this is going to be something that's ongoing, right? You're going to be maybe you have 100 products today, but you're going to work with a new set of products tomorrow. So you're going to hire a different copywriter. How do you keep that voice all the way through to make them actually look like how to make it look like the same person did it when it's really not the case? Most of the time, if you're getting to that level, you may seriously want to look at hiring your own copywriter. And that's what the majority of the bigger companies do. The ones that have a brand, if it's something like Lowe's where you're selling paint and you're selling appliances and you're selling uh, paper towels and wood and all these other things, it doesn't matter so much whether it flows, whether the copy is cohesive and flows or not, because it's bits and pieces of everything anyway. But for our flip-flop manufacturer, if you're to the point to where you're doing um, consistent levels of copy, you may want to compare prices with the, the copywriting agencies or the freelancers that you're using versus hiring on a junior copywriter, training that man or woman to write for your tone, your voice, whatnot, and then you pay them a set salary and you, you know, they write all your copy. Um, Oftentimes, you know, once you cross over a particular number of products and it would depend, it's different for everyone. Uh, it may be more economical for you in the long run to go ahead and hire somebody that's on staff. I guess we even think of the training portion of it too, just because that person, you know, they could leave one day, uh, you know, they can, even if you have someone on staff, right, that could change. 
So you want kind of the, you want some sort of like training platform to say, here is our voice. But how do you even tell someone? Do you show them examples? Like, yeah. How do you describe that in a document? Like, how do you actually how do you give someone a training document and say, you know, it's between sixty to hundred words? Do you tell them that, mm -hmm. or is that too? Yeah. Um, no, that's exactly what goes in. And you okay. would give them the branding uh, profile that I mentioned earlier that has all the information about your brand and this is what we do and this is what we don't. And, you know, we use humor or we don't use humor. You know, these are the types of things to include. And you do have them go through. Look at all of your products that are currently on your website. Ask them to take notes, perhaps. You know, what are you seeing repeated? What strategies are being repeated? Uh, is there a particular formula that you have for the headlines on your page or the title tags, you know, your back end uh, meta tag set? You know, the titles need to be formulated this way. We found that works best. You know, key phrase, color, size, whatever, whatever, whatever. The same could happen for the bullets for the copy of a particular page. If you've noticed over time that on your particular website, it works better if you have the colors as the first bullet instead of on the fourth bullet. Put that into your document. Anything that is repeatable, anything that needs to be common from product description to product description would need to go into this training document. And then as your freelancer or your new hire continues to evolve and grow and things within your company continue to evolve and grow, that person would be responsible for keeping this training document updated. Yeah. I like that idea of a lot of having that training document because I feel like a lot of people just, they find someone, okay, you have e-commerce experience, you can write product descriptions here, you know, his hundred products go. But that thing of, you know, we want to make these hundred look like the other hundred or at least some guideline, right? On you know, like use humor, like you said, not use humor. What else could you put in that document as kind of some, you know, goalposts and end zones, right? On what are we trying to achieve? Like, how would you, what are some ways to actually describe that? What's some other ways of like, this is what we're looking for? Examples speak volumes. So if you have different types of product description copy that you've used in the past that didn't work very well and you've replaced it with something that did create a not this but that section you know as you go through and say you know we don't use the word I don't know if we're doing ladies shoe site you know we don't use the word footwear because nobody searches for that I'm making this up you know we use shoes we don't say footwear um, so things like that could go in there. You could have an example of where someone incorporated one little sentence in a product description page that was lifestyle related or very personal to the segment that would be buying these, you know, ladies dress pumps, you know, stiletto four inch heel dress pumps or whatnot about how comfortable they were and at the the end of the day of, um, you know, running from meeting to, you know, down the hallway from meeting to meeting, you know, your feet won't be achy or you won't be, you know, hiding behind your desk so you can kick your shoes off, you know, something very personal like that. You can add those types of examples in as, as something that a writer would strive to include. 
and they'll understand it better than if you than if you're just trying to tell them what to do. Got it. Yeah, I like that idea of having that like living document that every time mm-hmm. you basically every time you learn something, it gets added back to that. And at right. first, that's probably I'm assuming a very tough thing to create because you're taking, you know, you've been in business for a while. You probably have a lot of things you've learned or the team's learned internally, but that's all in everyone's head. And trying to spend hours of getting that out of people's heads into a document, it's, you know, I think we've all tried to do that before. It's a tough process. But once you do that, all of a sudden, now you have this at least foundation and saying, okay, now going forward, every new thing we learn, even everything we forgot originally, we can just include in this document. It's just one more bullet point. It's one more piece. And then all of a sudden it becomes very, <clears throat> this like valuable asset to have. Yes. Well, it's disaster management. It's the same thing as backing up files on all of the computers on a regular basis or having, you know, a flood plan or something to that nature. The information in your head won't go very far to help you recover from an employee or freelancer. You could have been working with the same freelancer for two or three or five years and all of a sudden he or she decides that they're going to go get a real job in an office and they don't want to freelance anymore and poof, they're gone. And freelancers don't usually give you two weeks notice. So all of a sudden you're tasked with finding a new writer So just because you hire someone or not hire someone isn't a guarantee that they're going to be around forever. It is very much worth the time to do that. And I've had to with different tasks, um, with adding people to our team, things that I no longer wanted to touch, whether it's the promotion of the company or, you know, the mechanics of promoting, you know, maybe I'm coming up with the ideas and then somebody else will implement the ideas All of that has to come out of my brain and onto a document somewhere so they can go back and refer to it. Because, you know, even if you have a Skype call and you screen share and you click around, okay, great. They're going to come back to you and go, now, what did you say about adding videos to YouTube? You know, (laughs) so it needs to be documented somewhere. Um, It is a pain to do it at first, but it's well worth the effort. Yep. Sounds like it. So... I hate the question, but I kind of want to ask, I know people are probably thinking this right about now. Uh Oh, yeah, no. And uh, yeah, when people are starting to do this, what, what is the price range they're even looking at and how do they even like get something in their head of, okay, here's the range of rates. Here's the range of hours it will take. Like, how do we even, how do you even look at a project and start getting an idea of scope? Cause let's say you have a thousand products, like what's the, you know, good, better, best, right? I could hire. You know, what's the low end of that? How long will it take? What's the top end? Like, what do those numbers, or at least rough numbers, even look like? Absolutely no way to tell. <laughs> I am not, it's like asking how long is a piece of string? Yeah. Um, literally, low end, a dollar per product description. You could wow. find places that would do that. I wouldn't recommend that you work with them, but you can find places that will do $1 per product description. High end, I mean, it depends on 14 different things. You know, the length of the copy, the scope of the project, how many uh, descriptions you need that are similar to one another, how many are just radically different from one another, the amount of time it's going to take to get up to speed, the learning curve, you know, yada, 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 yada. So high end, it's, there's not, without knowing that, there's not a ballpark, but um, it can get expensive. And that's why I was saying, you know, once you start finding and working with people 
that you freelanced with or an agency that you've used before and you found the quality and the type of, of descriptions that you're looking for, find your break even. I would begin to research and see what, you know, on job sites, other companies that are hiring, you know, low junior copywriters, mid-level copywriters, things of that nature. Where's that break even? How many times are you going to freelance before you're going to end up paying the annual cost of a an on-staff person anyway? And for a lot of people, you'll never reach that point because of the size of the site and the volume of the descriptions that you're adding on a regular basis. For some upper, medium, and high-level e-commerce sites, you might hit it pretty quickly and you're wasting a lot of money. Sometimes if you found a freelancer you absolutely love, if you allow them to work from home and you give them a flexible schedule and a couple other things, they might convert to, to be your on-staff person. So if you're, you're already working with somebody that you absolutely love, throw that out there if you want to have them all to yourself and they may agree to it. Yeah. It, um, it also probably just depends on the goals of number of SKUs in general, right? So yep. at Sparkshipping, we've worked with customers with anywhere between, um, I think lowest was quite literally one SKU. They were doing like thousands of orders a day over that one SKU, but it was just, it was a SKU. Um, to then we've had customers with, I think over three and a half million SKUs. So at that point, you're probably not going to do any sort of real, um, you know, you're not going to be do copywriting on millions of SKUs. Like you'll just never, even if you had 10 people on staff, you'll never get to the end ever. Right. So. Yeah. It's um, an ugly thing. Yeah. So any sort of guidelines on just how long to spend on like a per product basis? I mean, and that could obviously vary too, because that guy with the one SKU, right. They could spend weeks on one product, but like any sort of estimates on low end, if you're doing the hundred word, um, product page versus I don't understand what you're saying. How long to spend? Yeah. Like, is this something, let's say a hundred words, is this taking, you know, is this taking you an hour? Is this taking people day? Like what is even like the estimated like throughput for someone? Well, it depends on, you know, what the learning curve is, how complicated the product is. If the one product that they're selling happens to be some, uh, centrifuge that's used in a medical laboratory, that's going to have an enormously high learning curve. So to do one product page for that particular centrifuge might take you a couple of weeks at the time you started working on it until the time you, you finished it, including uh, revisions going back and forth and whatnot. If you're talking about our O-ring, you know, you can knock out Depends on if you're dealing with freelancers, you also have to worry about what their current workload is and the schedule that they have now, how many clients are booked ahead of you. So, you know, but O-rings are simple. You could knock out dozens of those in a day. So you always need to come with the guidelines, engage with a few freelancers and get their estimates, right? By the sound of it. Yep. yep. Got it. Yeah. And I feel like something, is this something as applicable when you're talking to the centrifuge? to technical products. Cause I feel like it's certain technical levels, like copywriting is not even a thing. It's just, you're looking at specs, like just lists of how fast does it spin? How many, I don't know, test tubes you can put in it. Like you're just looking at like raw, like numbers, but then mm -hmm. for like the suit example, you're actually looking at like details. It doesn't, does it matter for technical products? Yes. Well, that would be scientific and medical, but yes, it matters because you're, I mean, there's a 
ton of money at stake for every single solitary sale. And you are trying to convince hospitals and research laboratories and all these other types of places that would be buying this, that they need to buy your centrifuge and not all these others. And what's, I mean, it comes down to the same questions. What's different or better about this one? Why would I spend money with you instead of, you know, these other 10 companies that have also sent me, um, their information in, in answer to the request for my bid. So, you know, it all boils down to the same questions, essentially. Yeah, I guess that's a good one, right? Because on that, you're probably saying, hey, minimize downtime. We have this one hour window. If you have a problem, call us. We'll send out a tech and they'll come fix it at your lab. Like this. Well, but the features could be very different as well. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And it's more thinking like, how is that person going to be working with this product? Because they're not, that's not a product that you like long for, you know, emotional response, but you do want to know, is it going to work? Is it going to be down? Is it going to, you know, if it breaks, who do we call? Like, there's a lot of these like little questions on comparing one versus the other. Right. Got it. Exactly. Very cool. All right. I think that, um, super helpful. Um, any kind of last thoughts on things people should be doing, or um, should not be doing, I guess is always another one. <laughs> um, I would always make a point, a lot of, of smaller e-com sites especially, don't do a very good job of optimizing the copy that's on their product pages. For that matter, a lot of medium and larger size companies don't do that, especially if they're using the canned copy from a manufacturer and they're just sticking it in the page. Uh, there's nothing there that can help Google trigger oh, this goes here and this should rank here and let's send these kind of visitors to this particular page. So I would pay attention to the types of keywords that you're researching. I would follow along uh, the buyer intent of the particular keywords so that, for instance, if people are in an information search stage, which at the, is at the beginning of the buying process, then they're probably looking for short tail terms, just one or two words, lady shoes, for example, laptop, computer. They're just starting. They're seeing what's out there. They're evaluating. They're looking to even educate themselves on the features and the benefits because they may not know. Uh, in addition to copy on a product page, you might do unboxing videos that, you know, as you're opening this up and showing people what's coming in the package and, oh, look, it does this and whatnot. You could do demos of things um, related to the laptop and all of that would work. As they move on to the evaluation phase, they've done some research. They've got some that they're considering. You're looking at short and long tail key phrases as well as comparisons, because now they're trying to evaluate and, and figure out, all right, I like these four, which one's better? So comparison videos could be added if your e-com system will handle that. If you have a blog on your e-com site, and you should, you could do review blog posts or comparison blog posts with comparison charts and, and things to make it simple. And when they're ready to buy, this is usually when they're searching for the longest of the long tail key phrases that can get into five, six words long, things like best, whatever, best Toshiba laptop, best price on Toshiba, whatever model number laptop, free shipping Toshiba model XYZ laptop, things of that nature, because they're, they're reeling it in. They've decided which one they want. Now they're just looking for the best value out there. So 
while you're incorporating copy, well-written, unique copy, also pay attention to not only the types of search terms that you're including and the volume that they have, but where they fall in the scale of buyer intent. And I think it will help you quite a bit with achieving your goals. Yeah, I like to do buyer intent actually on, you know, focus on the short tail. Most people don't throw that one out, um, but have the short tail up top and then understand they will move to the long tail eventually when they start, they go from, you know, buy sandals to buy this type of sandal for this in this with this material. So it does, it's as people, even simple products, they do get very specific as they're kind of moving through that journey. So that's a good one right there. They do. And then it goes, if you're just talking about pages too, it, it goes the same way. So if you're at the homepage, that's where your broadest keywords are going to be. As you get to a category page, they get a little bit more narrow. If you have two levels, you know, you've gone to uh, laptops and then you go to 15 inch laptops, you know, and you're working your way down. By the time you get to the actual product page, that's where your long tail and your, your most focused key phrases would probably need to go. Yep. Got it. That's a good one. Cool. All right. I think that's super helpful. Um, if people want to find you, kind of learn more about you, where can they do that? Uh, if they want to learn more, they can go to marketingwords.com and click on the blog. You'll find it in the navigation bar, or you can just go to marketingwords.com slash blog. Lots of great information there. Um, if you're looking for training for yourself or your staff, go to marketingwords.com slash products, and you can see the different types of products that we have. Awesome. I will definitely uh, link to that in the show notes. So uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Thanks. I appreciate it.